Do you love to read but struggle to see print? Bookshare is a nonprofit ebook library that makes reading easier for people with low vision or blindness. Members can read in ways that work for them with ebooks in audio, large print, and digital braille. Get unlimited access to over 1 million titles, including New York Times bestsellers, periodicals, upskilling books, and more. Bookshare is free for New York Public Library patrons or U.S. students with a qualifying disability. For more information, visit bookshare.org today. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Technology Learning. <laughs> that that music is amusing. It makes me think of Christmas time. Anyway, <laughs> um, good good evening, everybody. Welcome to Technology Learning Lab for Thursday, July 29th, 2021. My name is Sean Thiel. I am ACB Ohio's Executive Director. And um, today we're going to do some um, kind of voiceover um, 101, some kind of beginner stuff. Um, I kind of saw both a little bit during the convention and during one of our previous uh, sessions that it might be beneficial to go over some voiceover things for maybe some of our low vision folks who might be transitioning into needing voiceover. Um, or just people who it's been a while since they've heard some of these things. Um, before I do that, I just want to remind people, um, if you have future topic suggestions, feedback, if you love it, hate it, if you want to, you know, whatever reason you want to get in touch with me, um, you can email technologylearninglabcall at gmail.com. Again, technologylearninglabcall at gmail.com. And uh, Cindy has kindly agreed to include that in the show description that goes on the weekly and the daily schedule. So if you can't remember, um, it'll be in the same place where the Zoom information is if you happen to get it from the schedules. So that's a way that people can um, give me an idea of what you want to hear. I want to make sure that this show is as useful to as many people as possible. And uh Sometimes it can be a bit of a struggle to come up with a topic on my own. So if I can do something that is relevant to the people that are listening and participating in the show, I'm happy to do that um, or at least consider it. I may not uh, may not be a guarantee I'll go there because it may some topics need a bit of planning, but um, still I would like to, any input that people have would be fantastic for everybody. All right, so let's talk a little bit about some things that are important to know about voiceover and voiceover versus Siri and that kind of thing. So the first thing to remember is that Siri will not read everything or do everything, as many of you know. Lately, there have been times when I ask it to do something and it says, hold on a sec, still working. And then it just like, it'll either do it or it'll just give up and you don't know why. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, that was helpful. Thank you very much. Um, so Siri is sometimes number one, cantankerous. And number two, it will not read everything. Um, this is a myth that often cited people believe that it will because it will read the things that they need uh, in order to do things on their phone. It will read those aloud, but we obviously need a little bit more than that. And so that's just something to, uh, to keep in mind. One thing that can make that process easier 
is to make sure that your Siri voice and the voice for voiceover are different enough that you can tell them apart. And so um, as we look into voices in a, in a bit, um, we can talk about uh, we can talk about how to do that. Um, one of the another thing to keep in mind is that voiceover fundamentally changes how an iPhone operates. And again, this is particularly important to uh, to keep in mind if you're transitioning into voiceover or if you have sighted people helping you. Sometimes they need a little bit of a reminder of, hey, the way that you do this on the phone without voiceover is not necessarily going to be the same way that I will need to do it. And um, I will point out some of those differences as we go, just, uh, you know, as we go. And uh, this is actually kind of a pain sometimes because what it also means is that um, voiceover has a very distinct vocabulary in a very distinct way that it describes um, elements on the screen and things like that. And one of the problems that I have found is that I do not always know how to tell a sighted person how to do something. And sometimes I have just had to um, ask the person, can I borrow your phone, turn on voiceover, fix what they, what needs fixing, and then, you know, hand it back to them, um, which is not ideal, but but if it's a family member or somebody that sometimes that can make things a little easier. So, um, but it, it can mean there's a gap and somewhere I have a document that I was given that has a whole bunch of um, icon descriptions and I'm not sure exactly where it went. And I think I know who made it, but I don't know if I, if uh, you know, how it would be to distribute that or how people could get a hold of it and whether they would want that. So uh, I'm not going to make that available at the moment. Um, one of the things that can be done is that um, voiceover, when you're using it, it draws a border around the item that voiceover is um, interacting with or is focused with, focused on. And it is possible to make that um, larger. And not only does it make that line or that um, frame larger, but it also makes the lines thicker. So I'm going to show where that option is because again, for those that are low vision transitioning in, um, that may be helpful. So what I'm gonna do is I am going to, first I'm gonna talk about how we unlock the phone. And actually um, this has gotten easier over the years. Um, the unlock slider used to be very finicky um, several versions ago and now um, it's a little bit easier, especially now that we have things like Touch ID and Face ID. If those are set up, that can be uh, an easy way to, to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and... 1907. Let me make sure. 1908. Okay. So what I'm going to do uh, to unlock my phone on a phone without a home button, you're going to swipe up from the bottom of the screen... 1908 button. Okay. Passcode field. Oops. All right. Let me try that again. Fitness. Welcome to Apple Fitness Plus. Yes. Button. That's exactly what I didn't need right now. Thanks. Passcode field. Um, Zero or four values entered. Secure text field. Double tap to edit. Now, when you become more comfortable with your iPhone, and when when we travel more again, if we're starting to do that, um, 
when you come become more comfortable, it is a good idea to use a passcode on your iPhone. However, <clears throat> I don't recommend doing that right away because if you're new to VoiceOver, you may have difficulty navigating the keypad that comes up. And so that may be something that you want to be careful of. If you misenter your passcode enough times, you may potentially lock yourself out of your phone for a certain period of time. Or if you're incredibly unlucky, um, you may do that in def- You may do it enough times and get it wrong that it completely disables and you have to uh, like completely factory re- restore and wipe the phone. Um, so for those reasons, I recommend holding off on the passcode at least a little bit until you're more comfortable with how that keypad Uh, how that keypad works. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how to enter uh, two digits, and then I will turn off the mixer so that you won't hear all of the... Actually, here's what I'll do. Let's bring this up. 1909, one notification. I'm going to swipe up from the bottom. Button, passcode field, zero of four values entered, secure text field. So I was intentionally keeping... Text words. Character, describe language, on, settings, containers, sounds, audio, duck, volume, braille, speak, speaking rate, text, oh, select words, character, describe images. Okay, maybe you can't change that here. So at the moment, eight, five, one, four, I have a seven, kind of telephone style keypad. Eight, t- nine. Now my typing mode W-X-Y-Z. is set to touch typing. So my typing mode is set to touch typing. So I'm going to lift up and then I'm going to find the next character. Eight, T-U-V. There is also a delete button that's underneath the pound where the pound key would be. Zero. Delete. One of four values entered. So if you make a mistake, you find delete and you double tap that. Zero of four. Cancel. Button. Now what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to go into Braille screen input. Braille screen input. Orient positions calibrated. Portrait. App store. Double tap to open. So one of the nice things about the Braille screen input mode, as well as the handwriting mode, which allows you to draw printed characters and interact with your phone that way, if you use either of those modes, uh, your passcode is not spoken. So that can be a handy thing to have if you are really concerned about your passcode. And actually, this was broken for a little while. You couldn't um, enter your passcode. And I remember uh, calling Apple Accessibility and, and pointing it out and saying, uh, "Guys, we're kind of in a pandemic now. We need to be able to we need to be able to quickly enter our passcodes with a mask on. <laughs> Can we please have it fixed?" And uh, eventually, it did get fixed. It took a little bit longer than I would have liked, but that did get fixed. Um, so let's talk about the typing experience and. Um, there's a setting I need to change. I thought I had added to the rotor, but uh, actually give me two seconds and let me just mute the channel here and change, make sure that's on the rotor because it's supposed to be. I did it earlier today, and then I, but I wasn't seeing it just a second ago. So two seconds, I'm going to go rotor. It might be that you can't use it on the passcode screen. I'm just really quick checking. Ah, that does not work on the screen where you type in your passcode. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to the phone application because most of us are familiar with a touchtone phone, and it's a good frame of reference. Um, If you're on an iPad, um, what you may need to do 
is to open an application like Notes and bring up a virtual keyboard um, on an iPad. There isn't an easy way to bring up a touchtone-like keypad other than the lock screen. Um, I don't believe the FaceTime app will show you one, even though you might be able to make cellular calls. It's one of those funky iPad-only um, issues. So for the iPhone, which is the um, which is gonna, I'm gonna assume that's where some people are starting. We're gonna go to the phone icon, which is in the bottom left. And let's talk about how we move around. So a sighted person, if they want to use their iPhone, what they're going to do is they're going to use their eyeballs and they're going to find the application that they want. And because they don't need voiceover to help them, they just tap once on that item and it will open. Obviously, that won't work for us. Um, this also brings up an interesting point. If you happen to see, if you happen to have a sighted person's iPhone and it happens to be unlocked, you could accidentally tap on a number of things and not know it. <laughs> um, so just something to be aware of. So what a blind person needs to do or a visually impaired person, there's a couple of different things we can do. If we put our finger on the screen and slide it around. Speak current location address, mail, Safari, Spotify. Read voice clock, reminders, mail, no unready app store, double tap to open. So you can slide around and figure out what, what the icons are and where they are. And eventually when you become really comfortable with your phone and if you've gotten it set up the way you like, you can start to learn where icons are in relation to each other. So on my phone, I know exactly where the IRA icon is and I can locate it really quickly. And it's one of the applications that is important enough that it's on the very first page of applications that are on the home screen. So if you, you can slide around and once you have found an icon that you want to activate, then of course we need to tap it twice. And so if we do that, for example, on App Store. App Store, today, cutting. We get the click to tell us we've double tapped and then the boop boop to tell us that the screen has changed and we have a new, uh, a new screen that's come up in, in our way uh, in front of us. If we want to get back to the home screen, if you have a phone with a home button in the bottom at the middle, you're going to just press that button and release it. If you hold it for a little too long, you're going to hear this and Siri will be active. So just be aware of that. Um, Today, Thursday, July 29th, cutting. One of the mistake, one of the um, unintentional mistakes I've seen some folks make is they want to go home. You hold that button a little too long. And if you don't hear that ding, you might not realize Siri is, is enabled. So it's a very quick press and release of that home button. If you have a phone or an iPad without a home button, again, you're going to slide up from the bottom and you can start from where the charging port is, is how I got used to doing this, is I put my finger on the charging port and then come up just a little bit. Um, it can also help if your phone is in a case. Um, and having your phone in a case has a couple of benefits. Um, the first is that it puts a frame around your screen, so it can make it a little easier to find items in relation to each other. It can be, you can kind of think, oh, well, this icon is kind of halfway down the right-hand side of the screen, or this item is in the top left corner, and it can kind of define those a little better. 
The second thing it can do is protect your phone. Um, and particularly with the um, newer phones, um, they are parts of them are made out of glass, like the screen and also, or aluminum. And um, like on the back, um, I can never remember which phones have aluminum now on the back and which ones have glass because it's something they've played with over the years from phone to phone. Um, but either way, you really want to keep it uh, protected. And some people say, oh, well, I have insurance. Well, yeah, you have insurance, but there's only certain things they cover. And if they don't cover the kind of damage that has been done to your phone, well, you're kind of stuck. Uh, so, uh, and, and finally, the third reason for having a case is that it can make it easier to hold on to your phone. Uh, and that can be especially important if you have hand strain issues, as I do. So I have found, and it has taken me several um, several tries, but I found a case that I particularly like for the iPhone XR that I have. Um, and actually, I've got a really good relationship with the Best Buy folks near me. And uh, so several of them know me and they've popped things open so I can feel them. And it's, you know, really helpful to, to do that. Um, and I've found if, if, um, if the best buys are authorized Apple um, dealers in your area, you might want to think about checking them out if they support your cell phone carrier. Anyway, going back to <laughs> let's to go to the home button. If you have home screen, if you have a phone without a home button, you're going to find that charging port go up a little bit. And you will hear a pop as you touch that. And when you slide up a little bit further, you'll hear a second pop. And that means that tells you that if you lift up, you will be put on the home screen and voiceover will helpfully say nothing. <laughs> but if I touch the home screen. Messages. Double tap to open. I know that messages is one of the items on my home screen. So we're going to find the phone icon and the bottom left corner, and that's where Apple has put it unless it's been moved. Phone, double tap to open. Phone, greeting, button. Now I'm looking current, uh, was on the voicemail tab, and I actually am looking for the keypad tab. And we'll come to how the phone app is laid out in whole, in actually uh, in just a second. But there are five tabs along the bottom, and everything on an iPhone is an app, even the part of the phone that lets you make calls, the part of the phone that lets you make change settings, everything is an app. And each app has its own um, where things are laid out on the screen. So the phone lets you do five distinct tasks. We have- Favorites, tab, one of five. Favorites. Recents, tab, two of five. Recents, which is where your call history is going to be. Contacts, tab, three of five. Contacts, which is where the people that you've like saved into your phone the are going to show up. To be recorded. You might want to mute that would be awesome. Keypad. Um, the keypad tab five. will bring up a, a keypad where you can type in a manual number and then select voicemail. Tab. Voicemail is at the bottom right, and that allows you to access your voicemail without needing to call in. Um, that does take a little bit of initial setup and you need to enter your voicemail password. And if you're uncomfortable with that, um, it's something that you could very easily get someone to help you with because it's kind of one of those things you do it once and you'll never have to do it again, hopefully. Um, 
So, it, but it's it's a nice feature. It's called visual voicemail, but it's, and it sounds like it wouldn't be accessible, but it is. It's called that because rather than being a thing that you call into and it says you have 15 new messages and you have to press, you know, seven to delete and all of that fun stuff, they just show up uh, on your phone screen and it makes life a little bit easier. So we're going to go back to the keypad. Keypad, tab. And now we have a phone keypad that's on the screen. And let me let me check out what the typing style is going to do because, okay. Settings. When you first get an iPhone out of the box, unless you have changed it, the way that you're going to enter characters or numbers or letters um, is, is this. So if we put a finger down in the middle of the screen, five. We have a five, and of course, above our five, two, five, below that, eight, zero, star, seven, eight, six, nine. So you have your normal phone keypad. The keys are pretty, pretty large. I apologize. I'm talking over voiceover. The keys are pretty large. And so you can kind of get used to where they are. When you want to dial these um, in what voiceover calls standard typing, and you have to find the letter that you want. Eight. Just like you would a home screen icon. Five. JKL. And you have two choices. You can either pick your finger up. And then after picking your finger up, you can double tap. Five. Or the other thing you can do if you want to try staying in this way of typing is if you put a finger down on the screen. Eight. Zero. Star. And leaving that finger down if you tap once with any other finger star star you will also activate that icon that is a gesture called the split tap and um it's particularly useful in this uh this standard typing mode that you get when voiceover comes out of the box um this is a real challenge for low vision folks transitioning into voiceover because um you have to be very deliberate about what you're you know, about what you're doing. And that's not how um, the phone works with voiceover off. Again, with voiceover off, um, touching and the pretty much the act of touching something is what makes it happen. Um, we can get something closer to that with voiceover if we want to. Um, the second option that we have is called touch typing. And the way touch typing works is that instead of finding a letter and then having to double tap on it, what you get the ability to do is to slide around. And once you've located the number or the letter on the keyboard that you want, or the number on the phone keypad, the action of lifting up off of that number is what allows you to enter the character. About 90% of people that I've talked to that are voiceover users prefer this approach. However, if you are somebody with dexterity issues, if you have hand tremors, um, you may prefer the uh, standard option that I've just described first because you have to be very deliberate about, okay, I am on, I want the five and I'm darn well going to get a five. Uh, so for, for some folks, uh, standard may be a better option. Um, for other folks that are more kind of in the the typical majority um, they would they might prefer the typing mode where you lift up on the letters now in order to change that we have to talk about 
a couple of other gestures. And I actually, I'm going to back up because I skipped an important one. So we can touch on the screen and we can find an item by its location, but we can also move in order from item to item without needing to worry about where they are on the screen. Most of the time, there are sometimes places where doing this gesture I'm going to explain to you, there are sometimes when it will not allow you to find something. And the only way to find it is to put one finger on the screen and slidey slidey around. Other times sliding around won't get you to something, but flicking will. So to move in order from item to item, if you want to go forward, we're going to flick with one finger from left to right, like you're flicking a bug or a piece of dust off of your screen. So if you just a very light flick, zero. So now we're Double still, we're still on the phone symbol. keypad, but we're still on the phone keypad. So if I'm on the zero and if I flick to the right, pound, we have our pound sign or our hash sign. And if I flick to the left, zero, we go backwards Double and, tap we and, hold find, to enter the plus symbol. and we find the zero. If I flick left again, start and again, nine. So now we have moved. Now we have moved from the bottom row of the keypad to the next row up, and we're still going in a backwards direction. So flicking left and right not only will move you in order, but it will also move you up or down the screen as necessary in order to get to a particular, uh, how to get to a particular item. So that's an important thing that the important thing to know is flicking left and right with one finger. Now, you may ask the question, well, you might not, but we're going to pretend that you've asked the question, well, what happens if I flick up or down with one finger? And the way, actually, let me back up two seconds. One of the other ways you can think of flicking from right to left, if you're a computer user, if you think about when you're in a dialog box and you press tab, you'll go forward from item to item. So for example, you might tab and see an okay button. You might tab again and see a cancel button. And if you shift tab, you'll go back to the okay button. So that's kind of flicking to the right is like tabbing forward. And then flicking to the left is a little bit like shift tabbing backwards through a set of options. So that may help um, make it a little clearer for some folks. So going back to the flicking up or down with one finger, um, that can do a number of different things. And we have to be able to control what happens when we flick up or down with one finger. So in order to do that, we do everybody's favorite. It's not everybody's favorite, <laughs> but um, it's an important gesture and you're going to have to learn it at some point. And that is called the rotor. And what you do with the rotor and I'm going to be very, I'm going to be very careful as I explain this because there are everybody has their own way of doing this. So what needs to happen with the rotor is that two fingers need to be placed on the screen, and they need to be um, they need to be kind of beside one another with a little bit of space, and then one of them is going to move up, and the and the other one is going to move down. So if you now notice, I didn't say that it had to be two uh, fingers on the same hand because it actually doesn't. Um, if you really struggle with doing two fingers in one hand, um, you can put two fingers on 
you can put a finger from each hand on the phone and put them parallel to each other. So one near the left edge of your screen and the other near the right edge of your screen. And then you can move one of them up towards the top and the other one down towards the bottom. Braille screen input, orientation log, landscape. And to reverse that, then for example, six dot contractions. For example, what I did is I moved my left finger up a bit, my right finger down a little bit, and it moved the rotor forward. If I move the left finger down and take the right finger up, portrait, then it goes backwards. And everybody has their own way of doing this. Let me give, let me stop a second and see if we've got any questions here because I didn't realize I've been talking a while. We do have a hand raised as soon as I get there, and it's Pam. You can unmute. Hello. Hi. On the typing choices. Ty- typing mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to know what direct touch typing means. Ah, good question. Direct touch typing is so there were there are some people. And I only know of one of them, and I haven't talked to him in a long time. There have occasionally been some people who are so spatially comfortable on their iPhone, they were frustrated that they couldn't tap the screen and have the characters be entered as quickly as a sighted person can. And so what direct touch typing does is it takes it, it takes the typing experience and turns it more into the way a sighted person works. So if you know you exactly so where the T one, it would actually just do it when you touch yes, it. Yes, it would do oh. it immediately oh. as you tap it. So How you do they kind know of, for sure they're going to be touching the right thing. They have to have you have to have really, really, really good mental mapping and spatial skills if that's the way you want to do it. I've tried it; it's really difficult, and I and I gave up on it. But there are some people that are so comfortable with the where their keyboard is on the screen and how big the keys are that they said, we want to be able to type exactly the way a sighted person does. And Apple said, okay, fine. If you really want that, you can have it, but, but there's some trade-offs. Now I will say auto correct is a little bit better in that, in that mode. Oh yeah. Um, But I turn auto correct off. I hate auto correct. (laughs) I do too. The stuff it comes up. I know. It comes up with like curse words. I Another, saw okay. I saw a video one time and I can't it was called something like if autocorrect were a person. <laughs> and so what it was doing was the person was having a conversation, but they were saying the kind of crazy things that autocorrect would come up with. It was hysterical. Oh gosh, I, I you really need if you're gonna do a text, you better check it before you send it because you you can yeah. send some of the most obnoxious sounding things that Absolutely. you never ever write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and we'll, and we'll I did talk that about to my I mean I, uh, for instance, you know, if you if you're gonna say um, Vitz chat, and mm-hmm. and it, I did something to my supervisor at work. I, oh no! I, I I I tell you what, I, you had another question, and I'm gonna save you from embarrassing yourself. To be really careful when you yes. when you text with because that might have chosen a different word than oh, you yes, thought. Can. And, and we'll luckily, my it. supervisor was a, a, a character so she didn't she got it okay but it could have been awful yeah you had one more question yes. and then we'll move on if there's area any. code what? 3308 last three is 806 you can unmute 807 807 area code 330 last three is 807 you can unmute do that star nine nice and fast 
or star six. I'm sorry. Star six is to unmute. Thank you. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> See, I should have just let you do that. <laughs> I should have done it. Yes. Okay. I kind of figured that from convention, most people had gotten the Zoom down. Let's go to the next one. And then if they're able to, unmute, okay. we'll come okay. back to them. Screen down. Finally. Yes, Hi. there she is. Yeah, there I am. I was going to say when I had when I couldn't get in my iPhone and I took it into uh, Best Buy and the geek guy and he put me in a password and it's not going to be an easy one for me. Can you change your password? He didn't yep. put it. He didn't. He didn't lock my phone, so I don't have to worry about it right now. But if I have to have a, pa- a password and lock it, I don't want the one that he put me in because he put me. A, well, he put me in. I had a piece of paper with the word Vicky on it, so he put Vicky, and then he put the number on. Well, keep in mind, that's probably, and I'm stopping you because that is probably your Apple ID password, and I don't want you to go any further in giving that. But also, um, they are two separate things. So, so for example, um, I... um, you can have a passcode, which is you can either have a four-digit number, a six-digit number, which is what Apple prefers, or if you really want to be secure, you can have letter, you know, a, a mix of letters and numbers and stuff like that. But that is different from your Apple ID password, and you can change both of those. If you do that, you need to be very careful to take note of what you change it to. Um, if you forget. Uh, if, like, for example, if you change your passcode to something different and you were, you know, maybe not being too careful when you entered that in, um, I've seen people lock themselves completely out of out of their phone because they've forgotten um, what they changed their passcode to. So it is something where you do need to be very careful in either case, if you're changing your Apple ID password or your unlock passcode, they can, but they can be changed. Do you, you need do you need to use that Apple ID very often? If you want to install applications from the App Store, um, you would need it. And there are occasionally times when, let's say, you go from iOS 14 to iOS 15, they may require in September when that September October when that happens. Sometimes when you go from a major version update. Um, then you may be required to enter that and do a little bit more of an involved uh, setup. So that depends entirely on how you use your phone. And now, if I so if I wanted to put in a V, I got to go down like to uh, to the eight, and that would be S S T U V. Hit the that three times to put the V in. Is that the way the V would work? Actually. Um, what I find it easier to do is to just use a passcode on your lock screen that's a couple that's a series of of numbers and not worry about making something that's letters. It's just easier to, you know, have a, you know, a passcode of, you know, something that is obviously you don't want something too easy to guess, but you don't want like a, you know, you don't want something that's a big long sequence. So, hang on. Yeah, that would be something to hang on to and we can talk about that a little bit more when we get to actually how uh, passcodes and touch ID and all that work. So we'll, we'll come back to that. And I might 
I might want to change that then to a number instead of leaving it what he, because he didn't ask me. He just put it in because of what I had written on a piece of paper. Ah, okay. Well, we can talk. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that another time. So, okay. We can just talk to it, just each other. So anyways, thank you for letting me know. No problem. No more hands erased. No more hands. All right. Okay. So if you decide, because we before we took questions, we were talking about typing mode and the rotor. And actually, one way to think about the rotor and the way it works, um, for those of you that are um, users of the Victor Stream or the Plex Talk Pocket, we know that there is a control on the side of those devices. On this Victor Stream, there are triangular buttons that point up and down. On the Plex Talk and the Bookport Plus, it's a little spring-loaded button that moves up and down. But either of those um, can be volume, but you can also press a key and make them something else, like speed or tone. The rotor is kind of like that other button that changes what the the, um, side buttons on your Victor Stream or your Bookport do. So we always have the option of uh, flicking up or down, but we use the rotor to control, okay, what exactly is going to happen when we flip up or flick down? So what I'm going to do and uh, is I'm going to, and I found that for me, when I use the rotor, I hold the phone in, well, first of all, I always find myself holding the phone in my right hand and operating the touchscreen with my left hand. And for me, when I use the rotor, I put two fingers on the screen, my index and my middle finger, and then just very, very minutely, I move one of them up and the other one down. And I, I, now I do it where I don't even really have to think too much about how it feels to do the gesture, but um, I'm kind of, I'm trying to make it, <clears throat> explain it more so that you can find an approach that works for you. And you might find it the easier to start by putting your phone on a table. Some people will put two fingers on the screen and then turn their entire phone. Depending on the size of your phone, that can be a chore. And I wouldn't recommend that with an iPad unless you have a really good case because it could be droppable. Um, You could easily drop it if you try and take that approach uh, with an iPad. But um, you could try doing it on a table, or if you think you're going to be holding the device, however you want to do it. So I'm going to put two fingers on the screen. We're still on the phone keypad. Well, we will be when I unlock the phone. After after five minutes, I have my phone unlocking. By default, I think you only get like one minute, and that is adjustable. So I'm going to go ahead. 1942. I'm going to go ahead and. Phone number, 25 star star, text field, double tap to edit. Now, just like on the lock screen passcode entry field, the delete key is going to be under the pound key at the bottom right. Star. Star. So um, that's how you're going to take care of those. And again, right now we're still on the, we're still on the, the, I have to double tap each letter. Eight. But if I take the rotor and I turn it. Edit. Describe images. Screen recognition. Language. Typing mode. Until it says typing mode. If I flick down with one finger. Touch typing. Now it says touch typing. So what I'm going to do now, so that I don't inadvertently change it, I'm going to bring the rotor to the left one more time. 
Headings. So that it says headings. Headings is a pretty safe place to leave the rotor because if there are no headings and you flick up or down with one finger, all you're going to hear is heading not found. So it's a pretty safe place to put your rotor if you don't want to change something. So now that I've turned put the, put it on touch typing mode and I've turned the rotor away from that, now if I move around the screen, eight zero delete, and I find delete eight. And I lift up. Uh, it's uh, and actually, um, I turn. I have the setting for use pitch turned off. Um, so in when you find the delete key, if that setting is on, she will say eight, and it and it'll it'll be a little bit more a little bit more clear that you um, are deleting. Delete eight. Delete delete things. five. Delete two. With the Alex voice that I normally use. Um, he sounds a little bit weird when the pitch is raised and lowered. And so I, I don't use that, but I'm using Samantha today because um, if somebody's a voiceover user for the first time, um, she's the voice that people are going to hear. So if you've entered a number and you actually want to dial that number, five, six, I'm just going to put in a six. If we want to dial a number that we've entered, eight, zero, call. Button. The call button is below the um, zero. And if you, uh, now, if you don't have anything entered in, here's a little tip. Pound, delete, if you, six, um, zero. If you don't have anything entered in, if you press the call button twice, because the call button will still be there if there's no number. If you press it twice without entering anything, you will, you will call the last person. I believe it's the last person that you called. Um, so that is something to be uh, aware of, and it can be handy if you're careful. Um, a friend, uh, somebody that I knew a couple of years ago taught me that, and that was uh, an interesting thing. And it was like, oh, I've been using an iPhone for this long, and I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> when you are on a call, and this is not something I can easily um, demonstrate because um, for for my technology call here, my phone is plugged into a mixer so that you can hear it clearly. But what we, we also need to talk about the what I refer to as the in-call experience. And that is because the in-call experience is different, yet again, for voiceover users than it is for sighted users. If someone is a sighted or non-voiceover user, when they make a phone call, um, the only they will have buttons on the screen to do things like bring up the keypad, turn on the speakerphone, mute the audio, um, merge or you know add another call, and there's a couple of more. There's a couple more options. Um, but if they want to use the keypad or speakerphone, they have to specifically press the button that performs that function. Now, as longtime voiceover users will know that this is not the case with voiceover running. So there's two things that happen. First, when voiceover is running and you make a call, the keypad will always be on the screen. And that is because, you know, we have to call and thank you for calling such and such a company for English press one. They want us to be able to try and get to that number one as quickly as we can. And so if we had to not only to get to that number one, if we had to try and find the button to show the keypad, um, it would slow things down. And actually, I've seen Android phones that do this, and it can be a real challenge 
to dial. So if you think you've got it bad on the iPhone, just imagine how much more fun it would be if you didn't have these convenience features and you had to either tap speakerphone or tap the keypad before you could do it, before you could get either of those. It's not a very fun time. The other thing that happens is when you take the phone away from your ear and you hold it relatively flat, um, the speakerphone will automatically come on. And again, it's because it would be a pain in the anatomy if you had to go and find the speakerphone button. <laughs> so what what we do, so um, so that's what happens is when you take the phone away from your ear and you hold it flat, um, your speakerphone will come on. There are times when the speakerphone will, it will flip to speakerphone when you don't want it to. Some cases can aggravate this. Um, and so there is a setting in the audio options for voiceover called auto select speaker and call. And if your phone is particularly sensitive, um, it uses a, a feature of the phone called the proximity sensor. And so when that proximity sensor detects that your face is no longer near the iPhone, then that's what it's using to, um, to turn the speakerphone on. But in some cases, on some cases for that, Certain phones in certain carrying cases uh, can cause this problem. Um, one approach that you have is if you are at a point in the call when you know you're talking directly to someone, you're not going to have to enter any more numbers, and you know you want to stay on speakerphone, you can lock the screen when it's in speakerphone mode. And when you do that, then hopefully um, it will stay in speakerphone mode. Um, I've tr also tried to lock it into earpiece mode when it's up to my head, and sometimes that works and sometimes Screen it day. doesn't. Um, the other option you have is um, if you know you're going to be making a call like that, um, the uh, ear pods with the lightning connector are a good option if you have an iPhone 7 and up um, they used to come with the phones. Uh, now, in order to be more environmentally friendly, I'm putting quotes around that because I don't necessarily know if I believe that that's why they're doing it. They no longer include things like the headphones and the charger in the box for the phone. The ear pods with the lightning connector are, as of, I asked my, my, Lexi device this evening, and according to them on Amazon, they're $12.99. So for Apple, that's fairly inexpensive. Um, so it may be worth having a pair of those, um, you know, in a bag or in your purse if for those situations where, you know, you know you're going to call the bank or you know you're going to call uh, paratransit and if they require you to press numbers. So um, that is the most reliable way. And also it's obviously the most private way if you're going to make a call. And the good thing about those ear pods in particular uh, is that on the right hand uh, side of the cord, on, on the cord on the right hand earpiece, there's a little thing that feels like a squished straw. And what that does is it has a couple of different functions. If we squeeze the top of it, we turn the volume up. If we squeeze the bottom of it, we turn the volume down. And if we press the middle, um, there are several things it does. It can answer and hang up a call. It can play pause music. 
but that is also where the microphone is on the on the ear pods. Um, AirPods are wireless and they're a different story. We're going to pretend that they don't exist for the moment um, because it makes things a little bit confusing um, for the point of this discussion. But um, Bluetooth earpieces are a thing. Um, what I would suggest, and we've talked briefly about this before, is that if you're thinking about a Bluetooth anything, um, find out from other people you know who use them, look on Apple Viz, um, because some devices sound really good and they work really well with voiceover and others may have a very long lag between when you do something and when voiceover responds. And if you don't do your research beforehand, you won't know that until you have it in your ear and are playing with it and you're like, oh dear, this is not a fun time. Um, so it is helpful to um, do a little bit of that research before you are in the, you know, if you're in the market for one of these things, um, that is something you might want to, to do some asking around and get something that people know how well it, it works. Um, there are some brands that are pretty good. Um, Plantronics are, are, pretty, are pretty reliable. Um, the Apple AirPods are reliable. They're expensive, but they do work well. Um, there are, I'm hearing good things about some Jabra headsets right now, I, I think. Uh, so you've got some, some options. And um, so, yeah, the, that's what the in-call experience is like. VoiceOver is going to automatically turn on the speakerphone. It's going to automatically bring up the keypad. And um, everyone's favorite Again, not favorite, the call waiting screen. Um, call waiting screen is another one where if you don't quite get to it in time, um, you know, sometimes, again, uh, headphones help because you're going to hear the caller, you're going to hear the little beep beep, and you're going to hear voiceover tell you who's on the line. And it's easier if you're not also having to deal with, is the phone going to switch over into speakerphone so that I can hear what I'm doing? Um, so I can use that screen fairly quickly now, but I don't know if I could tell you exactly how I do it. <laughs> it's, it's just one of, those, uh, one of those things I've had to get used to. And that's actually one of the things that uh, work has helped me with if I'm on a call and then a work call comes in that I need to take. Uh, I've gotten much quicker at getting to that call waiting than I used to. Since we've only got about five minutes left, uh, let's see, five, six minutes left, let's see if there are any questions. And um, Danette, would you like to briefly remind people how to uh, get their question in? Okay. No hands are raised. All right. Three, now we do. Three, three, mm -hmm. zero, eight, zero, seven, you can unmute. Star six. Hello. Hello. Hey, it's Stephanie. Um, how much is that? How much is that program cost? Uh, which which program? The one with uh, you know, with the with the talking uh, uh iPad, the talking buttons or whatever. The... I think I'm I'm might be I might have confused myself. Um, voiceover is is free. That's talking. That's reading what I'm doing right now. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, VoiceOver is a feature that's built into every iPhone and every iPad that's been made since 2009. Um, so it doesn't cost anything, but it does take a little bit of learning to get comfortable using. So 
Uh, it's not easy. I mean, you know, if you have to, to tap a certain, you have to ta- tap a certain part or whatever. It's like mm. <laughs> that is true. Now, if you have a Bluetooth keyboard, um, you can usually, if that Bluetooth keyboard is turned on when you're making the call, you can use the numbers on your Bluetooth keyboard to actually dial those menu options. Mm, that's pretty so, good. Yeah, that's something to be aware of. Um, we have two more hands raised. All righty. Jeff, you can unmute. Hi, Sean. Um, can I ask a question off topic? Sure. sure. I um, am in a, the thread of a group text. There's five people. Mm-hmm. And is, is there a way that I can get voiceover to like, you know, create a label for that group so it doesn't read every single person before the contents of the text? So that depends on how is everyone in the group an iPhone and iMessage user? No. Okay. Because there are text message people in that conversation, you cannot rename the group. If everyone okay. used an iMessage, then you could rename that group. And I think it's in the details and it's it's one of those things I always have to dig for. So I'd have to find a group like that and um, see how to do that. I will work on that. Um, now, the other thing you can, while I'm thinking about group messages, um, of course, the other option you have is now, or well, not now, I think in iOS 15, you're going to be able to choose a length of time uh, for the, that which you don't want to hear the ch- uh, the notifications for that group um, rather than it being an on-off like it is right now. So, all right. Do we do you say we had one more? iPad Touch, you can unmute. Yes. Yes. Uh, are you going to do this uh, weekly or, or daily or what? Yes, this is a weekly. We do this every Thursday from 7 to 8 Eastern. Um, so, yeah, I will be back next week. And... Uh, so Sorry, you'll be every every you'll be every Thursday. Yes, I am. Every, we are every Thursday. Okay, now you're talking about the uh, rotor. Uh, yes, I'm not sure what you mean by moving your fingers up and down because the way I do it, I put my thumb in the middle of the screen and I take the finger next to it and just go around in a circle. If that works for you, then feel free to use it. Um, that different people find different ways, and the there's really no best way to do it. If that way works for you, feel free to continue doing it. Okay. All right. No more hands are raised. Okay. We'll do some more um, voiceover next week. Um, if people would like to write again, technology learning lab call at gmail.com. It's on the daily schedule. If you can't, if you forget it. And um, if there are particular things that you're having difficulty with, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Awesome. I'm I'm glad. $100. All right. We will see everybody uh next Thursday and I hope everybody has a good rest of your week and a good weekend.